New York Rangers are out, Winnipeg Jets and the Florida Panthers are holding on by the skin of their teeth. Uh, we're going to talk about the Kachuk and the Shifley hit. Was it filthy and disgusting, as Paul Maurice said? And we're also going to decode what next for the Toronto Maple Leafs after Jake Muzzin leaves the ice in what was a really awful, horrible thing to watch. Uh, we're back here for another episode of NHL Fans from Afar. Uh, Joel and Kent Walker, Claire Freeman, Matt Day uh, to decode what was week one of the play-in series, the round-robin series, the start of the season take two. I don't really know what to call it. So we'll play some music and we'll just get chatting. <laughs> say I am loving watching multiple hockey games over the course of the day. I don't think I've ever consumed so much hockey. Like actually my boyfriend Matt is like, oh, there's hockey again. And sometimes I'm watching two games at the same time and he like can't get his head around that. It's like, what? But how could you keep up with them both? And you just, you could just flip flop between them, can't you? When the adverts are on. So I, I don't think I've ever actually been able to take in so much. I don't think I don't think partners and and other people, you know, accept the fact that this is such a big deal. Like to us hockey fans over here in Europe who have slaved away by watching games at, well, I feel lucky supporting a West Coast, uh, sorry, an East Coast team. Matt, I don't know how you do it with a West Coast team, but just having to stay up till midnight for the start of the game, the fact that right now, now is the probably the only time in our lives we're going to be able to sit there and watch a hockey game at civilized time. That is not something that we can miss and our partners just have to get used to this. Yeah, it's good, but I'm, I'm having to play a balancing act. So uh, the, the five o'clock and the seven o'clock and games <laughs> are a, a no-go. But the... Do you mean, what, do you mean your, your, your other half, your better half doesn't want to watch back-to-back games of ice hockey hour after hour? It is hour. one thing we don't have in common. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, uh, so yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm watching more of the nine o'clock and the 11.30 games and then, and then catching up on the ones overnight. Oh, see, my boyfriend is a Nottingham Forest fan. So oh. I had to go through... So, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, what, what, what? You didn't run that past me. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, sorry about that. Uh, Nottingham Forest fan. Yeah, I mean, it's, it wasn't a great end to their season, uh, but I had to put up with watching football know. every I day. Got, I actually quite enjoyed the end of their season. It was quite good. <laughs> oh. Do send my regards. <laughs> <laughs> said the Derby fan thank you very much but so for me it's quite an easy trade-off because I'm like well you watch loads of football football's done yeah. now it's time for hockey so you yeah can, uh, you can imagine the joy on my uh my fiance's face when I said oh don't worry it's the last Derby game this weekend but and she was like oh that's great we get our weekends back I was like oh hang on a minute the NHL starts next weekend hey and exactly. then by the time this finishes Toronto will be out and then the football season will start again hey yeah that was the same for me Exactly the same. I mean, it's it's uh, it's kind of really 
I've been treating it in my head like, I don't know, like how geeky you go when there's the World Cup, right? But, you know, you get your free World Cup wall charts that comes in like a tabloid at the weekend. And then you put it on your wall and every morning you get up and you complete your wall chart. That's what I've been doing every morning. Um, I've just decided that like, I can try and watch the Leaf games live if I can, but some of ours are at 1am. And I've just accepted that I get up in the morning and I'm just going to see what the scores are. And then I'll watch the game later um, rather than kind of do this whole rigmarole, which you only get if you're a fan in Europe or, or outside of North America, where you try and hide all the notifications so that you don't know what the score is. And you, you like anybody you see, like, don't tell me, don't say anything. No, nope, no, nope, haven't watched it yet. I just let go of that. I've decided to let go of that pressure. So the first thing every morning, I make a coffee and I fill in my wall chart like a good little girl uh, with different right. colours, different colour pens. I tweeted it on our account, NHL fans from afar. And Matt, you rather rudely said, I prefer this link on Wikipedia. Thanks. <laughs> I just find it's laid out better. I get more information. <laughs> You know, it's just a uh, lot clearer, isn't it? It's less like a five-year-old's yeah. drawn it, isn't it? Matt? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I'm just jealous because I haven't got the time or dedication to come up with this this wonderful wall chart that you've come up with. So <laughs> I'm only I'm only jealous. Well, well, I also put on this wall chart. I actually filled it up before we did our podcast last week, and I underlined on each of the matchups which team we had predicted would go through there's probably a couple that we were like oh because let's face it even after game one there were a couple of upsets this week wasn't there I mean the Montreal Canadiens Pittsburgh Penguins game where who was going to see that Montreal was going to beat Pittsburgh in overtime in game one who was going to see that absolute goal fest I mean six is the magic number for Chicago and Edmonton um they're now one apiece but nobody saw that Chicago was going to smash Edmonton out on the offensive I mean Edmonton did, I did say what? Chicago did you I did say Chicago it might have been quiet but I said mm, Chicago yeah, did. Joel and had go me okay so, <laughs> I did I, I, you out your mind I'm not sure they're going to do it, though. No. I mean, if anything, Edmonton, the fact that they came straight back with such a convincing win again, or sorry, a convincing win in game two, I think shows that that was just a bit of a reality check for them. But amazing. It's, I didn't think Chicago had it in them. It's so fun to watch that series, though, because it is yeah. just all offensive. I, ha I have to say that I know we were talking last week a little bit about we didn't really know what to expect from that first round of, of games and, and these play-ins and even the round robins. But... I don't know about you guys, but I've been so impressed with the intensity. And I mean, it's it's like watching playoff hockey. And, you know, apart from the moment when Jake Muzzin was injured and the crowd went silent, there was, I've I kind of not really noticed a huge amount of the crowd. Obviously, you miss them in big moments, but, but watching it as a sport, like, it's just been so good. The play's been so intense. The hits have been big. It's been like watching playoff hockey. I don't know if you guys have noticed any particular differences. Well, I was listening to an interview actually that Sheldon Keefe, um, coach for the Leafs, did the other day. And, and he was saying for him, once puck drops, there's no difference. They are ahead in the game, watching the players, you know, movement on the bench, all that kind of stuff. He said the time when he did notice it was at the end of the anthem. 
or when the anthem is being sang. And, and that's when, you know, like when it kind of dies down and then they get ready to kind of get started. He noticed it then. Um, I mean, I, I think you touched on it there. The most obvious time was um, for anybody who was watching the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets, Toronto Maple Leafs game live last night, as I was, I, I was had all the intentions actually to go to sleep at the end of the second period. Uh, but because we were doing so well, I thought, nah, I, I need to stay up and witness a win for once in my life. Uh, and the final, there was what one fifty-two left on the clock, and um, Jake Mazin. Some people are saying he took a, a you know a cross check from behind that wasn't picked up, but then he fell awkwardly and knocked his head, and then he had to be stretched off. But that time that he was lying on the ice as they put him on the stretcher, I mean, it must have been like good ten minutes, and I've never heard silence in Scotiabank Arena in a hockey game ever like it. Like the concern that was on all of the players' faces, both teams, was just, I mean, because obviously the, the sound man with the crowd noise, there's nothing he could do. I, I kind of made me think, I wonder what a crowd would do in that situation. I'm kind of surprised on the broadcast that they stuck with it as long as they did. I'm mm. surprised they didn't go back to the studio or anything like that because I was watching it. And while obviously, you know, your, your thoughts go out to the player and it's always those things, isn't it? You see these massive crashing hits and these big collisions and falls and nothing ever comes of it. And hockey players just bounce back up again. And yet this one, which, all right, it was a bit of a dirty cross check, but then there's loads of them in a game that don't get called. And... Whereas this was just a, an awkward fall and it ends up so horribly. But after a while, I just found it really difficult to watch. And especially with a silence, because I kind of felt that, you know, I mean... What if you were his what, family, you know, watching well, yeah. home? And like, it was just awkward. And it was obviously awkward for the commentators because they couldn't say anything other than repeat what had happened earlier. And, and it was difficult. You can't talk about anything to do with the game because the game kind of is insignificant at that moment. And... And it, I found it really strange that they didn't. I wondered whether they did cut back to the studio in like Canada or America or anything. But from what I've read on Twitter, they didn't. They didn't. Um, I just wondered whether it was the international feed. But but no, it, it, they stuck with it, which I thought was odd, but a horrible, horrible moment. And it's just when you realise actually, you know, how much we take for granted watching ice hockey with those big hits and everything that goes on, how incredible those players are to be able to... To, to take as much as they do mm. and then every now and again when it does go slightly wrong like it did for someone like Jake Muzzin then I mean good grief like you could just see or every hockey player was just that was flashing in front of them and yeah it's, it's, a, it's a tough old game particularly <laughs> playing at that level I mean it, Jake Muzzin is such a crucial key part not only to the defence of the Leafs, but to the team overall. You know, we haven't got a ton of guys that have got playoff experience. Whoa, don't worry, guys. We have got a playoff-ready defenceman ready to go back in. Yes, don't worry. It's a playoff in the Calder Cup. But Martin Marinchin returns for the Leafs. Or anyway, he was at Leafs practice. We're going to pair, don't worry. pair him up with CeCe or something. My, my favourite player from the Slovakian, uh, as Matt will know, the uh, Slovakian World Championships when we were there. We would watch Slovakia and I would just shout up, uh, stand up in a crowd and shout Martin Marincin. And it was the most excitement I got from watching Slovakia. I had to put up with it for like 10 days. Just Martin, <laughs> Martin Marincin. Marincin. <laughs> oh my God. Is that what you're singing as he was like drunkenly dribbling to sleep or something in his dorm room? 
there was a horrible moment right at the end of when Slovakia had that heartbreaking loss. Was it against Canada, Matt? I think uh, when they had that, yeah. uh, they had a heartbreaking loss against one of the big teams right at the end. Yeah, because Mark Stone scored. Yeah. And, uh, and I, was, I was distracted because I was watching a football game at the time because Derby were playing in the playoffs. So I was really distracted. And I wasn't really following what was going on in hockey and me and Matt were in the pub watching it. And I looked up at the big screen and Canada just scored and the pub had gone like the atmosphere just changed and it was really like nobody was very happy and me like watching the derby game not really following it just looked up and saw martin marincian's face and started to go martin marincian and matt just like gave me daggers <laughs> i just said now's not the time now's not the time do not get that canadian passport out right now you will get lynched <laughs> <laughs> anyway back to jake musson i think what's interesting here so they're, they're saying that he went to hospital, then went back to the team's hotel. So it's not like he's been kept in overnight, but because he has been to a hospital, he's gone out of the bubble. He now has to quarantine. So we don't know whether that's because his injury is so bad that he can't play or because he has been out of the bubble, he has to quarantine. It's not really known, but he's not going to be back, certainly for the rest of this play-in series. I mean, that that's obviously quite interesting in itself like I was kind of catching up um, on Sports Central today and just listening what does that mean because obviously there are exceptions in the NHL's um, kind of bubble rules like if a guy needs to leave because his wife has had a baby or something how that kind of stuff works I don't know whether it's like they quarantine for four days instead of seven days they've still got to obviously have how what two negative tests um, so, yeah, I mean, these are all the kind of the hurdles and the questions that part of me is like, okay, is that in writing or is this just kind of a one-off that then Gary Bettman and his dudes have to decide on the hoof? Um, they, ba- they, they have basically, um, I can't remember who it was that tweeted it, but there is, there's guidelines along those rules. And it's pretty much that if you go out of the bubble without authority, then you get the full book thrown at you. But then it basically goes on to add various different clauses that then just state that if you go out for a medical reason or you go out in line with the rules and all of this kind of stuff and with permission, it it looks like it's pretty much open to interpretation as to how long it will take you to get back in, depending on your circumstances. So I think like with Jake Muzzin, if he went out and then came back in a day, I mean, Leaf fans last night were saying, oh, well, you know, devastating. He's going to have to quarantine for four days. I mean, the guy was stretched off with a like a neck problem. I mean, I don't think four days quarantine is the issue here. Like, I think let's you know, it fixes neck first and then worry about quarantine. But but players are probably going to have that. If you think of all the games that are happening at this intensity, they will drop out. And you do wonder whether that will be not in Jake Muzzin's case or not in somebody with that serious an injury. But you can imagine a player thinking actually, or a team thinking, God, we don't really want that player to go. So I wonder who makes that call. Who makes the call to say, no, this player is leaving the bubble and going to hospital. Particularly if it's a borderline one, that's that's really interesting. Mm. Can I just pick up on something you said earlier about like the intensity? So as I, as I kind of said before, I have been where possible trying to watch like two games at once. Um, I have to really concentrate. I have to put my phone down and really watch. <laughs> um, but it is interesting because what I did the other night was I was bouncing between um, a playing game and a round robin game. And the round robin game was Philadelphia Flyers and Boston Bruins. And Great game that was. the other game, what was it? Coyotes. Um, 
Yeah, coyotes. And, and actually, I found initially Philly and Boston so boring. Like, because they were in. Like, the intensity wasn't there for me. I think also, what's kind of quite interesting, like some games, the crowd sound is really noisy and others, it's not really there at all. Like, it feels like they're kind of still working that out. But it, that's dependent on the broadcaster. So yeah. Ah, okay. The, yeah, a lot of the regional broadcasts, so like if the games are on Premier Sports and it's coming from like a Fox Sports channel, they're not taking the crowd noise at all. Right. But I think it's... Some uh, have music on. taken. That's it. Are taking it on every game. Yeah, and maybe um, maybe that's why, because it was just really noticeable. Like yeah. just like just the atmosphere was different, the like the enjoyment of watching it was different. I mean, it's difficult, I think, and I've always struggled, and, and this is this will probably end up being a problem for us, which we said this last year, didn't we? When when if whatever your team leaves the playoffs. How do you keep interested? Like, I genuinely don't really find it that interesting or haven't before to watch other teams. I'm just always being quite narrow-minded and just care for my team. So I'm trying to kind of use my time and I guess whilst we do this podcast to watch other teams and, you know, enjoy that. The fact that I can watch more Western teams, which I've never really done before. Um, the more sympathetic times, though, help with that, they, isn't it? They do. It's one thing staying up till midnight or two o'clock in the morning to watch a team you don't really care about, whereas you know watching a game at seven p.m. I can, you know, I can watch <laughs> I can watch a Coyotes Predators game at seven p.m. on a Wednesday night, whereas I'm not going to stay up until three a.m. So that is, you're right. That's gonna that's gonna make a difference. I think though, when you were saying about the Philly and Boston game, because I watched um, I watched the Lightning play the caps which was one of the round robin games oh ended in a shootout and, didn't it so yeah that it was three two was good three two shootout and it was really good it was two teams and they were going full out and and i i guess our expectation should be that you know not every game's going to be a an absolute stunner because they never are there's always games that kind of even playoff games sometimes don't live up to their hype actually that first leafs game I know it's a Leafs loss, so of course I'm not going to enjoy it. But actually, it was pretty dull. Like, it's exactly what Columbus wanted, but it was mm. pretty dull. Um, but what I've been, what what impressed me so much is that the, the, I think there was a worry without the fans that there wouldn't be that same build-up of intensity between the two teams. And in that playoff match, okay, you don't have it with the round robin, but with the play, play-in games particularly, then those rivalries and those intensities wouldn't build. I've I've seen no reduction in the amount of scuffles after whistles. I mean, it started off with Justin Williams dropping the gloves about two minutes in to the whole thing for Carolina. And I think with the way the players have shown that they want this, I don't think there's anybody you look at and you go, oh, they're not they're not fussed about this. They they want to get out of that bubble and go. The the intensity seems at a level if you know the same as any other playoffs which i think is pretty much as much as we could wish for really well although i would argue that the leafs after that first game i was like they're not hungry they don't want this and then they they responded last night which i don't know about that argument there i saw mark uk leaf make that um make that argument on twitter saying they didn't look like they wanted it i i just don't think that i don't think that that's that's it i think a team misfiring and a team not connecting right and just not clicking is different from from not going full out and winning a game and caring I don't know I disagree but you guys might think differently I, I think differently I didn't feel like they turned up at all 
to get on it. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of curious really what people are doing whilst they're watching. So, you know, I'm kind of flip-flopping between multiple broadcasts on different screens and stuff like that. Like, so Matt, you've got a different approach, haven't you? So just tell us about like the stuff that you've been using stats-wise. Uh, you talk about this game flow thing, which I haven't really yeah, so had a chance to play with yet. During the regular season, because I don't watch games live that much, because being um, on at two and three o'clock in the morning, um, I don't tend to use the app as much during the game. I don't want look at the stats, but... As we're watching games live, I'm using the the NHL app, and they've got this thing called Game Flow, and it, it takes into consideration all shot attempts, whether they're blocked, whether they go wide, uh, whether they're on target, and it maps out how much uh, offensive pressure there are for each team and shows you the flow of the game, and it's it's just really interesting using that along with the the other stats like the normal stats for shots and blocks and hits and everything um it just adds a slightly different um dimension to it and i'm kind of enjoying going a bit more into the the stats of it which is something that i don't usually get get into as much it's quite a new thing isn't it Mm. yeah there was a there was a great stat last night in the uh columbus toronto game where um john tavares is expected goals again uh, expected goals um, his stat was it was exactly the same as the entire Columbus team. Wow! <laughs> like if you stacked up all of the team's expected goals on the Columbus team, it was exactly the same as John Tavares on that. He had that many chances and was expected to score that many times. And you're right, the level of uh, the level of stats that go into these games and you can read into. I find that fascinating in the Athletic as well. I don't know if anyone subscribes to the Athletic, but some of the articles in there. I mean, as a Leafs fan, James Myrtle is is a brilliant one to follow and his articles are you know are still accessible in terms of how he presents stats but they are very stats heavy and it's incredible the level of detail that those can go into and it's it's a whole nother kind of sub part of the game isn't it that you know it's fascinating yeah it's all the all the high danger chances and all of these yeah. things as well i don't know who decides whether it's a high danger chance yeah. or or not um but i think it was the first chicago edmonton game I think like Edmonton had six high danger chances the whole game. Mm. Um, and I think they had 16 in one period or something in the second game. It was, it was quite a, quite a turnaround, but those kind of stats really show how, how different a, a team kind of performs game to game. See, I just look at this game flow thing and I'm like, it's just all like a weird wiggly, uh, colorful thing like that I can move an arrow up and down and I love stats but I'm like what is going on here so it's showing you it's showing you that if they continued so at that moment so where you've got your little dot if um if they carried on with that amount of pressure it's showing you how many shots they would have in 60 minutes so there's there's markers for 55 and 110 shots in 60 minutes that's showing you how how kind of intensive the pre- offensive pressure is at that moment mm. from that team see i'm looking right now as we record this podcast um national predators arizona uh, coyotes are playing game three together um they're uh, just pretty much kicking off in the first minute of the second um and it's it's one nil to coyotes at the moment they're obviously coming back um i'm looking at the game player there's nothing on it at the moment because that's obviously i guess they're not doing anything 
Um, oh no, no, I just I needed to move up. There we go. Uh, and it looks a bit more blue than it looks a bit red. Is my uh, uh, interpretation. <laughs> That's what I get from that. Um, but I'm all yeah, for so, a colourful graph. So, so I mean, I think I, I saw that the Preds had had 17 shots on target to four or something in the first period, but that that game flow is showing that they had way more that were were blocked and um, probably missed the net as well and had a, a lot of a lot of pressure but yet they conceded a goal so does does offensive pressure even get, even matter well i don't know i mean you watch it you watch half the game last night of columbus toronto and you think it makes no difference because the score's still nil nil doesn't make any difference at all but i guess you're right like as that pressure builds and you can see those stats kind of at building and 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 those shots and high danger chances building one of them's got to go in and i suppose that's what yeah those kind of stats can lead you down that what has surprised you most well like which which series or which particular game has surprised you to the most out of the play-ins mm. you can go the round robins if you want but probably the play-ins interesting i, I mean I've, probably. see i've never watched so much new york's teams games as i have but that's because they've been at quite friendly times they've been the 5 p.m or the 9 p.m times um and I was quite shocked by New York Rangers. Uh, I thought that they were gonna be a bit more, bit more feisty, but to be kind of knocked out in a clean sweep. I could see why, like Jamie, who's been on this podcast, um, who's over in Leeds, why he's disappointed. Um, and Tom Fent as well also sent us a tweet. I mean, I just, uh, I just thought that New York Rangers were really scrappy and like they were just really struggling. And like Carolina just seemed to be so calm and collected. Is it quite the right words? Because they've got a bit more grit than that. Um, but they just had their. But they were dominant. They, they were dominant. had their stuff together. You know what I mean? And like it's just like New York Rangers just couldn't really get out of the stable really starting and I was disappointed because like you know I kind of had written down chance to watch some caco right I didn't uh, you know I just I didn't I was just really disappointed but Kane's are kind of like a a little quiet team that always lingering in the background for me I'm like hmm every so often I forget about them and then they come back and they remind me that they're there I saw some horrible tweets saying, oh, isn't it nice to see Jake Gardner and James Reimer finally win a playoff series in Toronto? I was like, oh, thanks. You didn't need to. It was a play-in, not a playoff. So you should have bounced yeah. back. Well, it's, but all the stats are playoff, aren't they? They're all counting towards it's their true. playoff stats. So it, it counts enough to hurt a little bit. Matt, what about you? What was the biggest surprise? Well, I was just going to touch on that Carolina series. I think that really sums up what we were talking about last week, that we literally have no idea what's going to happen. Because... We spoke about, I think I mentioned the Rangers had quite good form coming off the end of uh, the season going into lockdown. Um, and we kind of said, Carolina, they're you know, not quite sure what to make of them. And it just kind of, it, it looked like Carolina were the one that were coming off good form and, and New York Rangers were, were kind of a bit, a bit all over the place. Um, so, yeah, that... I was surprised by the Rangers and a bit a bit disappointed uh, that there wasn't a bit more made of that. But I thought Carolina looked quite good. Um, I wouldn't say I've been surprised by the Edmonton-Chicago series, but I've definitely enjoyed watching it. Um, just, it's almost no no defence. Hang your goaltenders out to dry. Some amazing <laughs> saves. 
um, and some amazing goals. I mean, McDavid in the in the second game was just on another planet. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's been fun to watch. But the Calgary Winnipeg series has been interesting. Had storylines mm, and a lot and of injuries. Yeah. yeah, I mean, who would have thought Patrick Laine? You know, I, I mean, I don't know what the latest is on him, but the fact that he's not there when they are literally clinging on right now, aren't they? But- but they've lost like they've lost like six players in like the first couple of games, and Mark Shifley obviously going with that you know horrible looking injury, um, and that that for me that series has been I just can't take my eyes away from it because and I guess it does come from that injury because there was an instant spark and Mar- uh, jo- uh, what's his name Maurice can't remember his first name Paul um, Paul Maurice Paul Maurice um obviously you know fueling the fire by saying it was a dirty hit and well if you could see that one camera angle that you can't see that I can see then well you would think differently and but it just builds up all of the drama and I think if if the Jets can pull this off against Calgary I, I mean that is an incredible result. That will be the biggest result, considering the injuries and the squad that they had going into this, with all of the issues they've had this year, with players not being there, and then to be able to pull this off with the injuries they've got, incredible. That will be the result of the round if they can get through. Well, game two was really interesting between those guys. And and this is where I think when you do get the chance, because that was a 7.30 game, um, when are you going to get the chance to watch the games in full? Because, you know, most of us, we've got lives. Like, you get the game recaps five minutes, you get the condensed games at nine minutes, you read the articles, but you don't really get to see all the little bits because they just get edited out because they're not important. You know, there was no kind of dropping of the gloves against Matthew Kachuk. But what you did get, and watching the in-between period analysis was... Um, they showed all the little niggles of where they were just kind of chirping over the boards whilst the puck was in play. You know, lean, both of them leaning over the, the bench, chirping at each other, holding him like, you know, and pushing him. And it was whilst play continued. So the, whilst there wasn't that kind of, let's drop the gloves, let's just clear the air right now. I like the fact that that stuff was still going on. And that's the stuff that I think that you often miss in highlights. Um, I thought what was interesting in that game too as well, because we were all like, are Winnipeg going to let this kind of filthy, disgusting kind of, you know, anger that they've got within them, is they going to come back in a rage and they're going to want to get revenge or are they just going to concentrate on doing the job and get a win? And actually they were two down, you know, and they came back from two down to win 3-2. Now, again, when you're just looking through the scores the next day, you're just like, oh, they won. Oh, you know, there doesn't seem to be any fight, um, you know, video uh, or on YouTube. So you wouldn't know that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting because I thought that was a great way to respond. I mean, yeah, they, they went on, they lost uh, game three, uh, 6-2 to Calgary. Um, I haven't. I didn't watch that because it was uh, one of the later games. I was watching the Leafs game, but I, I don't know. I just um, it's one. It's one to watch. I think their game uh, four, unfortunately, is one of the ones that's at three thirty a.m. UK time. So I mean, I've just written off any any game that's three thirty a.m. Actually, even some of the eleven forty five. So I'm like, oh, 
one a.m. I think I, I think I'm going to miss the next Leafs game. I don't. I have. I can't work out a way of watching it with with work and everything. It's oh, really it's I like, know what I'm going to do. Would you know Adam, who um, is the Detroit Red Wings fan, who's in Australia? He tweeted us to say that this is great that you guys are watching, but for me, the games are two a.m. to two p.m. I'm either sleeping or I'm working. Pointless. All right, all right, Adam, you're a Detroit fan. You don't get a say. <laughs> come on, come back next year when you've got a hockey team, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so, so did you did you guys think that uh Kachuk meant it then? Mm. What's your what's your opinion? I thought it was very interesting listening to Brian Burke yes. talk on Sportsnet. I thought it was very interesting that he started off by defending him, saying that uh he didn't do that, blah blah blah, he didn't mean it, all this kind of stuff, you know, Matthew's not that kind of player, and then he talks about how, you know, but Matthew is one of those players who does sometimes cross the line. And thank God he does cross the line. You're going, hang on a minute. I think did he, so, he described it as a reckless play gone bad. But what's, what, I mean, it looked initially like one of those horrible kind of ankle breakers against the boards. That's just one of those freak accidents that for some reason your ankle just lands funny. And it, I mean, it was a horrible one to watch. When you watch the replay, you can see him kind of stick his skate like he does stick his leg out a little bit but you don't know whether that's part of just his skating action or not I mean the problem is a player like Matthew Kachuk and why I find it very hard for anybody to defend him is he's a player who does play on the edge like he always does so you know people will say well if it was if it was so and so if it was Giordano if it was Gaudreau was the other one nobody would be saying this well no because he never does anything like that whereas Kachuk does and that's kind of Kachuk's deal and you know whether he went I'm sure he didn't mean to go and injure the guy supposedly he trains with him in the summer in Toronto they're like supposedly mates and they go train together so I'm sure he didn't mean to do what he did well now they're in a bubble right. together so uh oh, God, imagine breakfast the next day oh and imagine that but I just I just think he's one of those players who plays on the edge is hot-headed will not really think about what he's doing and like a lot of NHL's players say, they you know they sometimes stick out a knee or they sometimes stick out a leg and they don't really know what they're doing. And I, I looked like that to me about, uh, I don't know. I, I just thought that there's not enough evidence for Paul Maurice to come out as strongly as he did. No, mm. no, I was amazed he came out that strongly. As you say, right, was it, it part was of the pantomime? Yeah, was it part of the, let's get the drama of this series really going? We want to be the series that everyone's watching, everyone's talking about. I think it was I the think, anger yeah. of him losing. Maybe. And he, yeah. And he was more angry at the result. But and the situation. He's on top. Mm. And then it's like all boiled like, over. But. He also, you know, he must look around his locker room and think, what have I done to deserve this kind of luck? I mean, you know, to lose Mark Shifley after you've lost the plethora of players that they have lost this year, then to lose Line in the same game. I mean, if anything, he, he must have known that his team were the underdogs, are even now more so the underdogs. So he's just got to play on that, you know, fight and fight as the underdogs. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was intentional because. Question though, um, you know, we had Kadri uh, in the Leafs for a few years and he, there was a bit of a love hate relationship, I think, with some fans with him. Like, yes, he was hugely respected, but sometimes he cost us quite silly penalties. And you were like, there's no need to get into that. Just 
we know that's your thing, but just not now. So would you want Matthew Kachuk in your team right now? Is he the type of player that you would want in your team? I mean, that's a really good question. <laughs> you prefer him on your team than not on your team, wouldn't you? Like, but would you? you because wanna... there were times with Kadri where we were like, there was a, there was a small part. Like, yes, I respected the guy. He was like, you know, he really loved and was you know, loyal it... to, to the Leafs. But sometimes he just did my head in. But the thing, the thing with Kadri, and the thing that ultimately uh, made a lot of Leafs fans lose lose their rag with him was the fact that he two years running in the playoffs did exactly the same thing and got himself a stupid suspension. Now, to be fair to Kachuk, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but to be fair to players like Marchant, what they do is they antagonize and they play on the line and they niggle away and they anger and they force penalties and they force retaliation penalties, but they very rarely very rarely ever get suspended for it. And they they know what they can and can't do. The frustration with someone like Naz was that he, he red mist would come down and he saw the player and he flattened him against the boards when there was no reason to do it. And he could have done it in so many more clever ways. So if you want a Kachuk, now he's probably going to get some suspensions in his career, but at the same time, if you want a player like Kachuk or you want a player like Brad Marchand, they will probably give you more penalty time than they will taking their own penalties and suspensions because they're so clever in the way they do it that's what Nazim Kadri never seemed to be able to do now hopefully he can do that in Colorado but as a leaf that red mist comes down and then then they're no good to you because you need them to be you need it sounds horrible but you need them to be calculated in the way that they they do these things maybe he's the type of player that Toronto Maple Leafs would need in a series against the Columbus Blue Jackets? Well, I think, you know, they've got, you know, Carl Clifford. I mean, you know, I remember I was WhatsApping Matt last night and Matt didn't like the hit that Carl Clifford laid early on in the, in the, in the first period. As a Leafs fan, I watched that and went, thank God, because nobody did anything in the first game. And that's one of the reasons why we lost it. At least he comes out and, and puts that seed of doubt in those Columbus players' mind when they're holding the puck thinking, well, actually, is he on the ice or am I going to get decked? Whereas before, and most teams have a player like that. Now, yeah, again, whether it was a good hit or not, I don't know. I haven't heard about him getting a suspension for it. But but I think having having those players, and we've gone beyond enforcers. You can't have enforcers because it's, you know, they're, they're a waste of a roster space. But having physical players like Kyle Clifford and physical players like Kachuk, and actually... They're they're not in the same league because Kachuk, Wilson, Marshan, players like that are top line players, mm. and they've got the skill and they've got the ability to change games and score goals, and they've got that like uh, God, I hate them as an opposition fan, and they could get under your skin, but they've got the skill to back it up. That's the worst thing about Tom Wilson. You know, I I can't stand him as a hockey player, but would I want him on my team? Yeah. Why wouldn't you want a top line player that could play like that and also do the things that he does? Do you have a, who who have you got on the stars? I mean, they're all a bit old now to go hitting people, aren't they? Yeah, we've, right, we've also right. we've also kind of pushed over the fact that you lost as well, uh, Matt. Oh, okay, you're right. Round Thanks. Rob, round robin, isn't it? Doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> we will talk about that game because that sounds spectacular. But who have you got? I mean, other than Roman Pol- uh, Polak, who sadly isn't with you guys, but um, 
Yeah, we don't really have anyone like that. Who I mean, we you? used to have um, Antoine Roussel, who's now at Vancouver, who oh, was yeah. that kind of antagonist. And he he made watching games when the stars were terrible so much more entertaining, mm-hmm. um, having somebody like that on the side. But yeah, we don't really have anyone now. Um, we're kind of looking for somebody like Jamie Alexiak, who's six six foot seven, to go around and throw his body about a bit. And he, he's been doing that, but... Yeah, Jamie nobody... Ben, doesn't Jamie Ben throw his body around sometimes? He he's our hit leader every single game. Yeah, um, and that that part of his game's kind of evolved, and he's got more and more uh, physical. But it, his offense has kind of suffered as a result. Mm. He's he's less productive as an as an offensive threat. So what did happen then the other night? So you guys played Vegas, and uh, it was one of the games that passed me by, sadly. Um, but uh, it was yeah, a lot of goals. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of went into it. Uh, the Stars haven't won since February the 23rd. Wow, who's and, counting? <laughs> oh, what a long, long run that is. And uh, we we hadn't scored in like, well, we didn't score in the exhibition game. We were shut out by uh, Nashville. And I was a bit pessimistic, but there was there was some things to build on. And I thought, yeah, well, you know, we, we could do this. And it started quite uh, badly. We conceded off the very first shot which seems to happen to Ben Bishop far too many times um, but actually we were quite good in the first period and then going into the second we were absolutely brilliant um, it was I mean Vegas could not cope with our forecheck at all and it was just relentless pressure after pressure uh, and we scored three goals uh, and even the power play got on the, on the score sheet which for, for Stars fans is you know a, a real rarity um, and then in the third period, they just completely changed the tactics and decided to just sort of turtle up and just try and hold on to a 3-1 lead and lost 5-3. It was just, you know, it was like the complete opposite of, of the first two periods. And you just think, you were doing so well playing that way. Why why change? So, I mean, yeah, I touched on it last week. It doesn't really matter so much. We're going into the next round. But, you know, you're optimistic could look at it that way but you could look and go we haven't won since february the 23rd is is ben bishop's place safe or because you've got you know you were for for the whole season everyone was going about how dallas have got this great tandem of goaltending yeah i mean hudobin's been brilliant this season and his save percentage is is up there if not better i think it's actually better than uh ben bishop's but bishop seems to be the favorite um i haven't actually seen the um the the lines for today so i don't know who they've You've got the Avalanche tonight. tonight, haven't you? Yeah, um, I'd be tempted to give Hadobin the game because uh, realistically, it, well, if we don't win tonight, we're probably going to finish fourth in that um, in that little round robin. So does it really matter? I'd I'd give the other goalie a bit of, bit of time, give Ben Bishop a, a bit of time off, and uh, yeah, see what happens. Time but, off? Yeah. It's just had four months off. Yeah, but you know, rest him up, Clay. Got to rest him. He, he didn't look great, and there was a there was a bit of a goalie interference thing for the game-winning goal, and he, he, it tends to happen to him. He, he loses his head a little bit and lets those kind of decisions get to him. Um, so, yeah, maybe a bit of time watching somebody else in the net will do him some good. I don't know. They'll probably put Ben Bishop in. <laughs> Well, by the time we publish this podcast, uh, it will be an underway. Um, yeah, I mean the uh, the you know the other thing I was just going to say about the New York game. 
Um, just coming back to the uh, playing, what I hadn't realized was in, in a sense of uh, context, actually, um, Florida Panthers and New York Islanders had a really messy playoff series in 2016. And so they were playing in like the, you know, the, the roll up before the game, um, some highlight reels of that. That was quite interesting. So it was kind of like saying, is this like kind of history repeating itself? Like, and it was, all the clips had John Tavares in. I think it was John Tavares yeah. that took New York Islanders through that playoff round. I think I've got that right. Yeah, you're right. Um, and it just kind of made me think, God, will John Tavares do the same for the Maple Leafs? Will the same happen? Not hey. shaking your head, Matt. You know, but it, I, I didn't really, I didn't really think about that because sometimes you just kind of think about the now, don't you? You don't think all these teams have been playing together for so many years. Of course, they've met before. Of course, they have like prior beef with each other. So you, here's a question for you too: Are you cheering on Boston tonight? Because I, I'm sorry. If if I'm so, if, uh, Tampa, what? if Tampa beat Boston tonight, then it looks very likely that if the Leafs win their series, they might face Boston in the oh, next round. Kidding, I, really? Of course. I have. I, do you know what? I honestly haven't done any of the maths with the the round robin because I don't really understand it. But um, seriously, so if so if Boston beat so if Tampa beat Boston tonight, then Boston are bottom with zero points. Um, and that would be who the Leafs play. And so, yeah, the Leafs play the fourth place team. You're kidding me. It's okay, Jordan, right? Because it's it's all right. Because what's going to happen is we're going to win this series, and then we're going to beat Boston. And, and where have you heard that before? It's fine. It's fine. Eventually, the same thing can't happen again and again oh, and again and again. Where have you heard that before? <laughs> I wish Something. people could see Jolan's face right now. <laughs> I don't have enough time to check it, it, back into therapy. It might not happen. There's, <laughs> there's so many permutations. I've got but, so much uh, yeah, on at the moment. I do not have time to I mean, go through this. I trauma. actually, when, because I was thinking the other day, like, when was the last time that the Leafs won a playoff series? Don't even look it up. It's depressing. 2004. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? I was I was only just aware of what ice hockey was. However, I've got to say that so you know, I was just referring to that Florida Panthers. I still want to say the Flanthers. I can't not <laughs> say the Flanthers. The Flanthers and New York Islanders, right? That was the first time in twenty-three years the Islanders had won a playoff round. Wow. What? That's what it that's what it said. Really? Yeah, first time in twenty three years. Win? Did not win one last year. No, but that was in 2016. Oh, sorry. I got you. Got you. Got you. Got you. Yeah, got you. I was like, well, I don't think I could wait 23 years. Uh, although, actually, it's not no, that far we're away. We're on track. Yeah, we are on track. How about waiting? What is it? How many years since the Stanley Cup? 67. <laughs> we are ah. still the team with the longest Stanley Cup drought, aren't we? Now that um, St. Louis Blues won last season. Um, so, other thing that in I just... Answer to your, sorry, in answer to your question, Matt, um, I... Oh, what do you think? What do you think, Claire? Do you want to face Boston round one? Bring it on. Let's get on with it. Let's get this done. We have to get over that because every time we face Boston in the playoff, whether it's series one, series... I don't know. But we might else? not have to face them. They could lose to somebody else. I quite happily. Somebody said, I saw somebody tweet that. Somebody said something like, 
Leafs winning the cup will not feel like we've won the cup until we've beaten Boston en route. And I'm like, no, forget that. There's if something they in that. Crash and burn out to somebody else, then be my guest. No, and we go on and win the cup. I think, Fine. I think there's something in that. I think no, there is not. The journey no. to the cup. I haven't got it. I'm not sure I've got another series in me. Watching that one last year was painful. Look, there. Which, I mean, we witnessed it. I mean, like, oh. I don't know what your most prized possession. I don't know. I don't think you own a house. Like if you owned a house, right? Would you... I do actually in January. Oh, so oh I... congratulations. So I, could, I, could, I could burn the deed. <laughs> so would you put your house on the line to say that Toronto Maple Leafs are going to go all the way in this year in the Stanley Cup run? I wouldn't put my disposable mask that I've got in my pocket on the Toronto Maple Leafs going on a run because I might need that mask and I can't afford to lose it. I have, I have, it's, it's a horrible thing to say. I have zero faith in this team. I hope they prove me wrong. I really do. And I want them and I will cheer for them every step of the way. Watching Corpusello yesterday just stop every single shot was breaking my heart as the game went through. So I want this team to succeed. Do I, would I put anything of mine that I value behind this team? No, of course not, because why would I? What a difference a year makes. Think, think back to your Stanley Cup um, prediction podcast last year yeah. when you, you were adamant the Leafs were going to win it all. Well, I like, genuinely did think. I, I was with Claire in the sense of what she's saying about the fact that, well, we can't lose to Boston again. We lost them in 2013. We lost them just last year. This is our year. Matthews is better. Marner's better. Nylander's better. All We've got John Tavares. All these things are now, we are better and we still lost in the same way. And uh, yeah, yeah. Let's, no, 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 no. Let's change the subject, okay? Because there's one matchup that we haven't really touched on at all and that's the Canucks and Wild uh, matchup. I haven't watched any I of the games. I genuinely don't know what happens in that series. Because it's on at 3.30 in the morning, their game. So it's kind of like slip me by. I mean, their third game is on tomorrow at 7.30. So I may have a, have a little oh, look yeah. at that one. But I mean, it was really cute today, actually. The Leafs, um, the Leafs, the league was sharing. So you just can't help yourself. You can't help yourself. Let's talk more about Boston. God. <laughs> the league shared this little video um, of Scotland Miller, who's two years old, and she was cheering her daddy, JT Miller, saying, go daddy, go, which was absolutely adorable. Um, yeah, I don't know too much about it. I mean, it's one apiece, that that series. Um, you know, 3-0, then 4-3. It looked like it was a bit of a tighter game uh, last night. I think the most interesting part about the whole of that series has been Matt uh, Dumba and his speech about the Hockey Diversity Alliance um, which was incredibly powerful and kind of rippled across all of the media. I don't know whether you guys kind of watched it. Um, I watched the whole speech and then the anthem stuff that followed afterwards, and I actually found it really moving, just the way that both goalies' hands were on his shoulder. Um, I don't know if that's just because I am I was tired and I'm a girl and I get a bit more emotional, but I, I hadn't ever really kind of... I felt like I had to watch it all the way to the end, watch both anthems all the way to the end to, to like give it the credit it deserved because you could just hear the emotion in that guy's voice. He was nervous as hell at stepping up, stepping out. And for him to be 
you know, playing for Minnesota, who's in this, you know, this this place in the world that is so hot right now with what happened with the George Floyd, you know, situation um, and all the protests that were going on, it almost felt like there was a huge amount of responsibility on that guy's shoulders. I really... I really felt for him and maybe you guys didn't see, but when I was watching a bit of um, Sports Central, actually, they were playing uh, some VTs with his family. They'd done interviews with his mom, um, you know, about their grandma um, and his background and how proud that she would be if she saw him now. And it really just gave us like a chance to kind of see, the, the person, not just the player. And I don't really know much about Matt Dumba, I'll be honest. But, you know, just looking at the roster of people who are on the um, Hockey Diversity Alliance, you know, Evander Kane is the chair. You've got Wayne Simmons. And I just, um, I kind of very, very briefly looked over the website, saw what it was about. But I mean, I don't know. Did you guys watch his speech, and and what were your thoughts? How did how did you feel? Was it a tick box, or was it the real thing? I I saw it, and I instantly messaged Jolan and sent him the link to watch it because I thought it was from the heart, and I thought it was um, well thought out and powerful. And I think it was. In, I think it's important because there'd been quite a lot going around social media about players not kneeling and. Um, you know the NHL not taking it seriously and other sports are and and um, I think for him to come out and do that was just incredibly brave you know to put himself out there he's a hockey player you know nobody expects him to be you know writing speeches and making speeches for the world on TV uh, that's that's not what hockey players do so for him to put himself out there and do it I thought was incredibly brave and important um, and it kind of had more significance for me when I watched the Stars game against Vegas because um, four of the players knelt for the national anthems. Um, Ryan Reeves and Lena from Vegas knelt with Tyler Sagan and Jason Dickinson from the Stars. Um, and they all knelt on the, the Vegas blue line together um, during both anthems. And I think what what had been disappointing up to that point was that, that Matt Dumber's done his speech, but where were his teammates the next night kneeling or where were they showing support for him? And I was a bit disappointed that no other players had kind of come forward and, and made a stand. So I think to see the four guys kneeling in the, the Vegas Stars game was, was incredibly powerful as well. I mean, Sagan, Sagan's up for the award that I can never remember. Um, the one for um, community work and everything, because he's doing a lot in Dallas for trying to get um, in, increase hockey diversity in the community, um, whether that's getting more women playing, whether it's um, underserved communities or minorities. So uh, he, he's been on the Black Lives Matters protest in Dallas, and he said he felt he needed to do what was um, kind of... Um, he needed to be more responsible and do what was what was necessary. And he felt that kneeling with Ryan Reeves was was the right thing to do. It's so I think it's, it's really confusing because you know you look at I'm a Formula One fan and I mean that is going on and on every single race. It's like either all kneel 
or 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 don't or do something else like it's just it's just so confusing and they're just making it more and more complicated i think think you've got something in there matt because like a lot of the leafs um players for instance spoke out in uh, some of their pre-game um interviews they put stuff on um social media but then they didn't kneel so it's like does that go far enough um does everybody need to deal? Maybe the NHL would say we would we would ask all players if they can to kneel. Or like it just stuff like this. It's it's such a personal response, isn't it, into what you feel is necessary and what how how much you support it. But then I think there also comes a time as a sport, like you know, by them putting out a few videos or saying they support the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Is that enough? I I just think it's such a grey area. And they've made it, you know, the, one of the, the most impressive things about the way that the Premier League and other football leagues in this country dealt with it, this all is the fact that there was just this unified kneeling before every game, every player took part. And it meant that the discussion was solely on the fact around the issues that needed to be talked about and need to be discussed whether hockey players kneel or not is not the issue. I read an article the other day where they were talking about, you know, it's not hard for a hockey player to kneel. Like if anybody starts trying to tell you it's hard for a hockey player to kneel, it's not hard for a hockey player to kneel. And that that is a conversation that is so irrelevant in the wider picture of things. And yet it is the one that we naturally have because we've got the situation of Matt Dumber standing on the bench, raising his arm in solidarity with a, a cause that's very deep and personal to him and not a single team member of his joining him in any way yet they'll talk the talk and you know I was watching you know I saw that Vegas one and and, and the Dallas one I initially thought great this is good but then I thought actually is this good because all this now does is we go well hang on a minute so two of the Dallas stars are now kneeling the rest aren't and two of the Vegas Golden Knights are kneeling the rest aren't. And you end up getting to this point where you end up talking about, you know, whether it's right to kneel or not and all this, this kind of stuff. And there's a fascinating article in The um, Athletic from Sean Shapiro who, who wrote around that and wrote around, you know, he interviewed um, the guys involved in it afterwards and said he gave them a bit more time than they did in their kind of NHL Zoom chat that they had. And there was a lot more detail in it. And it was, it was very interesting. And there was some kind of quite mixed... You know, even that kind of was quite a mixed response from some of those Dallas guys because you you left there thinking, actually, I'm not 100% sure what what they were kneeling for and all of this kind of stuff. And it's just it, it's just a shame because I I think as a as a league, while you in a way don't want to say everybody take a knee or anything like that because you want it to be the individual's choice as it kind of should be for it to not be an issue that we end up talking about like this, you kind of all have to do it or nobody has to do it. I kind of preferred it when Dumba did his speech and he had the players with him at the time. And then there was no kneeling mm. in a way because now kneeling's come into it mm. and you know, you had weird images. Yeah. You've got weird images like when Boston are linking arms during the game and with their whole team for the national anthem, yet the other team isn't. Now that's not to say that, one team is better than the other. It's just that they're choosing to, to do something and it sends all these mixed messages. And 
I think one of the one of the strengths in messaging that sports have got right, like the Premier League and like other leagues like it, is they've got this unified message across. And, you know, nobody was talking about or not. Certainly, I didn't see people talking about whether it was right to kneel or not in the Premier League. They were talking about why they're kneeling and moving that conversation. Yeah, I think it's also a case of different sports have different, um, like, you know, basically, Formula One and hockey, we already know that there are no gay uh players or race drivers there are no uh, or apart from lewis hamilton yeah. there are there are a lot less black players or or drivers so for them there is a sense of unconscious bias because it is predominantly white whereas football has always been quite diverse right so i just look at this picture um which i just had up to show the guys which is the full circle of edmonton oilers and chicago blackhawks uh, with both the goalies standing forwards with their arm on Matt Dumba, he's kneeling and every all the players around the outside. If I was one of those players, I would have wanted to react. I would have wanted to kind of clap him or kneel with him to show I'm with you. I support you. Yeah, but by doing but the problem that but the problem is, Claire, you're standing in that semicircle. And even if you 100% agree with what Dumba's saying and you want to take a knee, by taking a knee, you instantly put every other person on that ice in an awkward position Mm. because then they've suddenly got to go, hang on, he's kneeling. What do I do? And you could see it in that Dallas Vegas game. There was a a look over at one point when one of them kneeled and there was almost like a crap, like, uh, and you think... you don't want to put anybody in that position where they're having to make those decisions in front of millions of people watching. Mm. And that is why I just don't think regardless of the culture and, you know, hockey's got a particular culture that, you know, whether it's as bad as people say it is, I have absolutely no idea, but it seems to have this culture and they're, you know, and and let's not, (laughs) let's not forget the fact that America's going through this far worse than we are in terms of the turmoil caused by this debate. Like we are, you know, we are going through it and it's, it's right that we're having these conversations here, but in America it's amped up even more. And, you know, for a lot of those guys, the communities that they're going into, you know, 50% of those people will be horrified by the fact that any of them take a knee. Like it's, you know, it's one of the worst things that you can do because they see it as disrespecting the flag. Mm. And it's, I, I just think you you have to have a unified approach. Otherwise, you end up with this mishmash. And the people who lose out are the players. And because it, you, you cannot win. There is no way of winning in that scenario for the players. Matt Dumber did what he did. And, you know, in a way, actually, it could have almost been, that could have been the moment. Now, more could have been done and more should have been done, but that could have been the moment. But now it carries on and, you know, there's more talk about whether a team will kneel and all this kind of stuff. It loses the message and it becomes about whether this gesture takes place. Yeah. I think um, one, one thing, an interesting thing about, you, you made a point there about the national anthem and disrespecting the anthem. And I think the difference with the Premier League is that they knelt at the beginning of the game for um, like 30 seconds or whatever it was. And, there's no national anthem to disrespect. Yeah, yeah. So it's easier for them all to say, yes, we're unified and we're going to do this when, because they're not disrespecting a national anthem. The national anthem thing in America is what really skews and probably stops people from standing up for what they believe in. 
because yeah. they don't want to disrespect that national anthem. What I did think was really good in that article, though, that Sean wrote, I thought was fantastic that it was, um, I think it was Tyler Sagan who said, you know, uh, I'm a, I'm a white, uh, I'm a kind of a, a white, well-off athlete um, and a Canadian. And he said something like, and, you know, I've done a lot of learning and I know I'm part of the problem. And, and those kind of messages, that's great. Like, let's get those kind of messages out because, you know, that's been one of the big changes over the last few months is it's realizing that, you know, just because you're not black or just because you've not had a disadvantaged background, it's just as much as your problem to do something about it as it is those people who are going through it. And, but, you know, those messages, again, those are, those are on a, you know, in a very long article in The Athletic in an interview. But it's good that they're feeling that they're OK to say those things. But, let, you know, but they've lost the chance of that unified message now, sadly. Well, sadly, that's gone. I think the reality is, you know, talking with a lot of my friends and, and I've signed up um, with a, a, of a pledge uh, with podcast um, production companies to that it's not just about kind of kneeling once and saying oh I did my bit actually it's about what can we do on an ongoing basis you know how can we incorporate these changes forever and think about it it's not just a uh, you know a one-off gesture it's more than that so absolutely and I think I think that's the important thing that the Premier League did because they used to just do one one weekend a year was kick it out racism anti-racism weekend but it was every game from the from the restart every single game they they did it and i think that you're, you're right Jolan, they've lost the opportunity in in this um stanley cup series to to make that unified message because it's been so inconsistent up until now anything they do now is insignificant really and what what this what this and you know we probably want to move on to other things but what what this gives people and this is the thing that kind of angers me about this whole thing is that you know this this indecision this halfway house this some people kneeling some people not some people protesting some people not this gives people who don't believe this is an issue an out and what was so satisfying about watching the premier league was that every single player on every single team took a knee and if you were watching it and you didn't believe that you know racism was real or anything like that or you didn't realize you didn't believe it was a problem you couldn't help but watch that and see that every single player had done it and there was this unifying moment. Whereas this, what the NHL have ended up with, is a scenario where, you know, you can sit there and watch that and go, well, some of the guys believe it and some of them don't. And so then that kind of means that my view of this is not really an issue is an okay view to have. And that's, you know, that's, uh, yeah, it goes back to that missing that opportunity. But, Mm. you know, it's not to say that these conversations aren't still useful and they can't still go ahead and hey if they all decided to take a knee in a game that'd be great if they don't fine but it is a shame that they missed it tell you what though it's going to be fascinating to see what the nfl do because when they when their season rolls around this is going to be we you know we talk about the difference between here in america and it being supercharged that sport is going to be next level kind of intensity because this is where all the it started in terms of, you know, coming into sport with Kaepernick and kneeling and the, you know, his career ended and it's going to be very interesting to see how that happens in a sport with such a huge audience in the States. Mm, Okay. Well, let's, let's just kind of start to round things up. Um, Yeah. This time. Do you want to hear some breaking news? Oh, okay. Tampa Bay have just gone one up against Boston. (laughs) 
Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! Oh God! I don't think I can cope. I mean, Boston in round one, guys. Boston in round one. <laughs> can I just say one small thing that I find very strange is that even when there are two American teams playing, they still play the Canadian anthem. I, I, I do yeah, find that. I'm right, Claire. Yeah, I find it. You know, I like the. They're in Canada. The, I just find it a bit unusual. It's just like, oh, it's also doing that too. Oh, Oh, Canada is a tune. It is, actually. Like, you, you can't get over how good that sounds before a hockey game, Oh, Canada. It does. And I like the little touch that they're doing where, you know, I saw Boston did it. We did it in the Leafs. It's not not everyone is doing it. Um, but where they have their usual singer on oh. the screens via Zoom or something Martina. like that. Yeah. Martina. And, you know, it, oh, it, it really kind of, it really does like make you kind of feel like, yes. Hockey is back. Like that little it took warm me straight feeling. back to yeah. Exactly. It took me straight back to hearing hearing Martin Ortiz Luis sing "O Canada." It took me straight back to being in the Scotiabank Arena, and I was like, "Yes, this is Leafs hockey, and it is a home game, even though it's not a home game, but it is a home game." And yeah. Well, let's not get into how pointless home ice advantages uh, that can be for next week or the week after when. Well, I don't even know what we're going to end up talking about next week. When it's... the Leafs and Edmonton are in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> we'll no find out. Edmonton. Yeah, exactly. Jolon will have worked out what on earth happened with the Round Robin series. Uh, I'll find out whether I'm right that we're playing Boston. Um, and Matt will find out whether he's actually uh, won a game for the first one since, when was it, February the... 23rd, I think. 23rd, see? Not that he's counting. Uh, I think that seems like a good way to wrap up. Uh, I want to add a final little PS. Yes. Did you see, did you see the Nazem Kadri goal? Oh, yes. The, the buzzer beater. The ultimate buzzer beater. Claire, do yourself a favour and go and watch. Find a highlight of that buzzer beater goal that Nazem Kadri scored to uh, for Colorado to win. He scored between... 0.01 and 0.00 of a second in a game to win. And there is one of the best pictures in sport, which is from the goal camera. And it is facing out towards Kadri and a couple of the other players who are looking back and you can see the puck coming towards the goal. And all of them are like, <laughs> and it, like, it is just incredible. And they deemed it a goal because it crossed the line. And, in the wonderful world of hockey Twitter, you had fans arguing about whether there was a period of time between 0.01 and 0.00. It does that exist as time. And I thought, this is why I've missed hockey so much because I can watch conversations like this. So go and watch that Nazem Kadri goal. It was incredible. Wow, okay. I watched all that hockey and I missed that. Okay, that, Paul Maurice, is what you call filthy. Um, have a great week whatever you're up to uh, do follow subscribe we're on Twitter at NHL Fans From Afar you can send Jolan the hate mail we'll be back next week <laughs> <laughs>